get a repeat performance in week four. Welcome into Fantasy Football Today DFS. Frank Stanfield joined as always by Mike McClure and Sia Najad here to deep dive each game on the main slate in week four. Plus, we have our cheat sheet coming later on. Favorite value, chalk, contrarian, and stack of the week. Just want to give you a heads up that we are having some slight issues with uh, Mike's microphone, so bear with us on today's podcast. Um, we currently have five games with a total over 50 points with three of those early on Sunday. See, how are we feeling about week four in general? Yeah, in general, I'm feeling pretty good about it. And I, and I think it is because my sort of stacks are going to be kind of kind of shorter than, than most. And what I mean by that is last week, for example, there were like five or six games I really wanted a piece of. Now, that doesn't mean I played all of them, but there's really only like three or four. And it's funny because Mike on Tuesday kind of spelled this out. He said he was only going to have probably like three quarterbacks he was going to feature throughout his cash and GPP lineups. He might move that to four depending on certain circumstances. I'm sort of in the same boat where for me, it, it might be this week, like two to three stacks that I'm really focused on. Now, my player pool is going to span the course of the entire slate, of course. But in terms of the stacks themselves, there's only a couple that I'm focused on. All right. Interested to see who you have as your uh, favorite stack later on in the podcast. Mike, how are you outside of your mic issues? Mike's mic issues are not great. Um, yeah, it's not a, not a fun afternoon. It hasn't been a fun day because of it. We've been dealing with it all day, but I'm feeling good. Uh, I'm excited for this week. Anytime I get to play the Kansas City Chiefs, and yeah, it's, it's a good time. Anytime they're on the main slate, it definitely leads to very interesting roster decisions, and I seem to run good when those happen, so let's do it. All right, let's do it indeed. Professional broadcaster, he brings up the Kansas City Chiefs, and that's exactly where we are going to start. The Chiefs at the Eagles. The uh, Kansas City currently seven-point favorites on the road, 54.5-point total. All of these odds and totals come via Caesar Sportsbook. Injuries to note for Kansas City, cornerback Rashad Fenton is the only player who did not practice on Thursday. For the Eagles, we've got a whole lot going on. Their guard, Isaac Samalu, and their safety, Kayvon Wallace, were both placed on IR this week and both of their tackles are currently questionable, though Lane Johnson should play. Jordan Mailata uh, should be a game-time decision, which, look, it's it's obviously a rough spot to be in for Jalen Hurts and this Eagles offense, but it does help that uh, Kansas City ranks 30th in team pass rush grade, according to Pro Football Focus. Patrick Mahomes is the highest-priced quarterback on both sides. He is 8,100 on DraftKings. He is 8,700 on FanDuel, you know that if you want to get his pieces in the lineup, his pass catchers, you're going to have to pay up. Tyreek Hill is up at 8K. Uh, Travis Kelsey is 8,100. And then we do have some players lower down. McCole Hardman at 4,400. Demarcus Robinson at 38. And Clyde Edwards-Elair, though he had a great week, he only got bumped up $600. So he's 5,400 on DraftKings. Mike, if you are stacking, playing a bunch of Kansas City Chiefs again this week, how are you looking to do it? Uh, yeah, I'm looking at Patrick Mahomes. I'm looking at Travis Kelsey. I'm looking at Clyde Edwards-Hilaire again. And then I'm going to be looking at Tyreek a lot more this week, too. I think this is a great buy low slash bounce back spot for Tyreek. Uh, I say buy low. He'll probably still be very popular just because he is Tyreek, and we all know the upside that he possesses in any game. Uh, but after the last two, I do think this is a great bounce back spot for him. I think this offense is going to go absolutely crazy in this game. I think you definitely want pieces of it. Um, you know, we'll talk about other running backs and other players later, but you mentioned the price increase on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I still like $5,400 Clyde Edwards-Hilaire a lot more than I like $6,300 Chuba Hubbard. So uh, I, I'm very much in on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire again this week. Yeah, and it's funny you bring that up because obviously Chuba Hubbard filling in for Christian McCaffrey currently projecting at around 14% ownership uh, on the ownership projection projections that you have, Mike, and Clyde Edwards-Elaire is down at 11%. So uh, I'm actually with you. Ezekiel Elliott looked really good against this Eagles defense last week. Clyde coming off a game where he had 19 touches. On the other side here, I think Jalen Hurts is going to be pretty popular just because the Eagles are going to be chasing points. And if we're being honest, the Chiefs defense has not looked good to this point. Uh, and even with Jalen Hurts not really playing well to this point, he still has such a safe floor in terms of fantasy, 21 or more DraftKings points in each game. Uh, again, despite not playing very well, Kansas City allowing the most fantasy points to quarterbacks. If you're looking at his pass catchers, Devontae Smith has 
been a letdown since week one. He's 5,700 on DraftKings. Jalen Rager is down at 4,700. And then you have the tight ends. Dallas Goddard is 4,800. And Zach Ertz seems like a pretty solid value uh, down at 3,500 this week. So see ya. I'll give you the opportunity to talk about the Chiefs as well if you want. But uh, if you are looking at stacking anyone on the Eagles side here or just using any Eagles in general, who are they? Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be playing much of Jalen Hurts. I'll, I'll be on sort of a stack with Patrick Mahomes, and I'll be bringing it back with an eagle or two. But, you know, the thing about Jalen Hurts, I, I agree he's probably going to rack up some yards with his arm and, and with his legs, but he does have some offensive linemen that are hurt. I think one might be coming back. I think that Mylotta might be coming back this week. But, you know, it's just there's too many holes there. I think they're probably going to try to establish the run after Sirianni completely abandoned it last year. So, yeah, that, that run might be established with Jalen Hurts, but also I think with Miles Sanders and, and Kenneth Gainwell. So I think they're going to be in chase mode a lot, which is why I want to be with Patrick Mahomes and let's say uh, Travis Kelsey and maybe a McCole Hardman, for example, or a Kelsey and a CEH. And then I want to bring it back with the receiver of choice here. So I don't want to get into the Goddard-Ertz game. If I were to get into that game, I would go with Goddard over Ertz. But what I really want to try to do is be right with Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, or Quez Watkins. And I, for me, just from a pricing standpoint, I think Rager, an opportunity standpoint, I think Rager makes the most sense. So I just might take a shot there with one run back with the Eagles, but that's about it. All right, yeah. I mean, you brought up the uh, that you would go with Goddard over Ertz. I think it's interesting. They basically have the same target share on the season. It's right around uh, 12% each. But Zach Ertz is running more routes than Goddard the past two weeks, and he's 1,300 cheaper. So for those reasons, I would lean with Zach Ertz. But uh, yeah, uh, Dallas Goddard, I think, you know, on a, uh, any given week could have um, pretty big upside in this offense. Let's move over to the Panthers at the... Can I, can I join that game real quick? Go ahead. I, just, I want to have a thought real quick. Yep, yep. Um, I, I actually like the tight ends in it. And the reason being is I know I'm playing Kansas City and I know that there's a couple of chalk pieces that I like. So one way I'm getting different this week, like I did last week, is I'm going to be playing the double tight end lineup because Travis Kelsey is not really a tight end. I'm treating him as a wide receiver. I'm going to play a second tight end in flex. And I love the bring back by having that unique combination. It's going to allow me to play those 30%, those guys that end up being 30% owned in cash games, whether it's Madison, if Cook is out or things like that. I'm going to end up having that built again this week. I'm almost 100% sure at this point. All right, let's move on to the Panthers at the Cowboys. The Cowboys are four and a half point favorites with a 51 and a half point total. Obviously for the Panthers, Christian McCaffrey is out and their cornerback JC Horn also placed on IR. He broke his foot last week for the Cowboys. This popped up out of nowhere on Thursday, but Tony Pollard uh, did not practice on Thursday. So keep that in mind. And defensive end Randy Gregory also did not practice on Thursday. Dak Prescott is 6,700 over on DraftKings. He's 7,700 on FanDuel and is popping up as one of the top three point-per-value quarterbacks in Week 4. We have CeeDee Lamb at 6,700. And Cooper Cup is just 6K, and it, it seems like it's too cheap. Uh, even with the nine target, uh, targets combined over the last two weeks. Kind of like the Eagles, we have two tight ends who are involved here in the Cowboys offense. Dalton Schultz had the big week last week. He's 3400 Blake Jarwin is uh, $200 cheaper at 32 And then Ezekiel Elliott, only really interested if something happens to Pollard where like he doesn't play in this game, uh, but he is at 6500 See ya. The Cowboys, how are you looking at this game? So believe it or not, this is probably not a game I'm going to play in terms of a st- in terms of a stack. I'm probably just going to take pieces and, and really not that many pieces. I think DJ Moore is really interesting for obvious reasons. Now, Diggs might be on him a good amount, but honestly, I think DJ Moore is going to get peppered with so many targets. It's just probably not going to matter. I think guys like Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall in GPPs are kind of smart plays. Terrace just because it's a money saver and he will be on the field. And Robbie, because, you know, it could potentially, again, this is GPP, be a get-right game. The problem on the Cowboys side for me is, and we talked about this last week and maybe even the week before, the Cowboys want to be a run-first offense. The only reason we envision them as this, you know, pass attempt machine is because last year before Dak got hurt, of course, they were just down 10 to 14 points every single game and they would just have to play comeback. Well, there's pretty good evidence that they they want to be, if your eyes aren't telling you that they want to be run first, the stats should. So Dak Prescott in the first game, 58 pass attempts. Combined in games two and three, he has 53 pass attempts. So literally in week one, when they were you know chasing a lot, they had twice as many pass attempts as week two and three combined. So it's one of those things where 
I think Dak is going to get his, but I just I think it's going to be a lot of Ezekiel Elliott and a lot of Tony Pollard. I don't think Carolina's offense is going to be as prolific as people think. I think Sam Darnold is really I think he's there's a market correction coming for a couple of these teams and a couple of these quarterbacks. And for Sam Donald, I think it's going to be this week. So give me some shares here and there of DJ Moore, maybe some of that receiving core um, on the Dallas side. You know, I, I'd probably be interested in a share of Amari Cooper, maybe, or maybe a Dalton Schultz, but that's about it for me. No, I think it's a fantastic point that you bring up because last year they were throwing as much because their defense was just awful. And, and to this point, their defense looks much better, led by uh, cornerback Tavon Diggs, who's, who's playing out of his mind right now. But I will uh, kind of walk back some statements I made on Tuesday because I brought up the possibility of... Um, a tough matchup for DJ Moore, but according to Pro Football Focus, he has one of the top five matchups, uh, top five wide receiver cornerback matchups this week. So you should not worry about that. If you do want to play DJ Moore, chances are the Panthers are chasing points in this spot at Dallas. Uh, I think the biggest question outside of DJ Moore on the Panther side is whether we get involved with Chuba Hubbard and, and to what level do we do that? Because he is 5,900 on DraftKings. He's 6,300 on FanDuel. And per... Dwayne McFarlane on Twitter, he tweeted out last week that Chuba Hubbard played 73% of the snaps after Christian McCaffrey got hurt. So it seems like he's setting up for maybe not that much, but probably somewhere in the 60 to 70% range, I would imagine, for Chuba Hubbard in the spot, and he is sub-6K. So I think he should be on our radars because of that. Mike, what do you think about this entire game, but specifically Chuba Hubbard? Yeah, Chuba Hubbard's interesting. I think that I would honestly take a flyer on playing Royce Freeman over him. Um, obviously, he's going to get the start, but I think Freeman is still a fine back in the system, um, frankly. So I don't have any interest in Hubbard. I am pretty sure I'm not going to end up playing Chuba Hubbard in this game. I think that they're both going to be popular as far as uh, Moore and Hubbard. I think you need to pick which side you're on. Um, I'm worried about Chuba Hubbard's role. I don't think he's going to come in and replace all of the work that McCaffrey was going to have in the passing game. They're also not going to be as good of a team here. I don't think that they're going to move the ball as good as they have all season. Um, so I'm going to be out on Chuba Hubbard. As far as Moore, I think that he's, you're right, he's going to get there through sheer volume. Uh, he's probably one of those like totally fine to play the chalk no matter what that ownership gets up to as long as we're not talking like 30 plus percent in tournaments. And then on the other side, I love Amari Cooper. Uh, Amari Cooper will be in my cash games on DraftKings. He will be in pretty much everything uh, this week. Um, I think that they do key on CeeDee Lamb as much as they possibly can. But I, I think this sets up really well for Amari Cooper here uh, going over the middle of the field. I think this is a great spot for him. So I will have a lot of Amari Cooper. Um, as far as Ezekiel Elliott, probably not going to be there. I'll have to reevaluate that if uh, Tony Pollard is truly, truly ruled out. And then as far as the stacking goes, I don't think that when I run the Dak Prescott sacks this week that it'll be Lamb and Cooper together. It'll likely be um, Cooper and one of the tight ends with Dak and then running it back with Moore on the other side, who I think will get there. If Dak gets there, Moore's going to get there through volume because I think he's probably going to have 10 catches. And uh, I agree with you that with no Christian McCaffrey, they're probably not going to lean on Chuba Hubbard as as much in the passing game. So that will open up some targets for some of the other pieces there in Terrace Marshall, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson. Let's move on to the Browns at the Vikings. The Browns are currently two-point favorites on the road with a 51.5-point total. Injuries to monitor here for Cleveland. Uh, their starting cornerback, Greg Newsom is out. OBJ was listed as limited on Wednesday, but he shot that down on Thursday. He said he's good to go. Uh, offensive linemen, J.C. Treader, Jack Conklin, and Jedrick Wills are questionable, but all played last week for the Browns. And on the Vikings side of things, Dalvin Cook re returned to limited practice. Tyler Conklin did not practice on Wednesday with an elbow injury. This game is filled with star power everywhere. So let's just start with our favorite way to stack this game if we're interested in doing so. On the Vikings side, Kirk Cousins is 6,400. He's playing great football to this point. Eight touchdowns, zero interceptions. Dalvin Cook is 8,100. He's the fourth highest priced running back on DraftKings this week. Justin Jefferson uh, up at 73. We've got Adam Thielen at 6,800. KJ Osborne, 3,700, and Tyler Conklin at 3,500. And I will point out, Justin Jefferson had his breakout game last week, and that came with 50% of his snaps in the slot, which was by far a season high. 
Uh, his previous high was 21% in week one. So if you watched him last year or in college, you know that he can move all around. He could play in the slot. He could play on the outside. Uh, so they did move him around last week, and it worked. So see it. Are you interested in stacking the Viking side? And if so, how? I think I am. You know, side note here, when I knew I was dead last week in some of my lineups that had like A.J. Brown and Marquise Brown and and, and some other some other players that, that sort of flopped, I did some late swapping. I didn't mention this on Tuesday because it actually didn't get me to where I wanted to go. But the, the reason I bring it up is because my late swap was actually to Kirk Cousins in those afternoon games. And, and really what I was doing there was trying to fade some of the chalk. I wanted to be different. So I stacked Cousins with Jefferson, I believe. I might have even double stacked it with Thielen. I had a lot of guys to switch out. And it almost got me there. Kirk Cousins threw three touchdown passes just in the first half. So give, give me two more. And all of a sudden, you know, one of my big single entries cashes pretty easily. But the point is, I don't see any problem. And I know Mike agrees because he said it on Tuesday. I don't see any problem here with this point total, 51 and a half, to stack Kirk Cousins with either Justin or Adam Thielen. I mean, you could try both. That's probably not going to work out. If Tyler Conklin is healthy, I do think he's going to carve out a consistent role here. So you could throw him in. Bringing it back with Odell Beckham makes a ton of sense. Listen, he had, what was it? Nine targets last week, I believe he had over, I think almost 50% of the air yards. So again, with Jarvis out, I think Odell against this back end, the back end of this defense is really, really bad. It's Brashad Beeland and Patrick Peterson. Anybody can eat here, especially a guy like Odell, who's trying to get that sort of squeaky wheel game. So normally I don't like Odell at all, especially in a Cleveland Browns offense, but I do kind of like him here. I also like Kareem Hunt, who's getting a lot of targets. I mean, I you know I like Nick Chubb, but I like Kareem Hunt a little bit more in this game. Yeah, Odell Beckham, I'm with you. He's 5,800. There's no Jarvis Landry again this week. He had nine targets, uh, nine of 29 targets last week. So that is a 31% target share. And he played <clears throat> 64% of the snaps, excuse me. Uh, he ran a route on 34 of 41 Baker Mayfield dropbacks. Uh, Mike, are you as interested in Odell Beckham? Do you have any interest in the Browns? Running backs here. Nick Chubb is 7K. Kareem Hunt is 6K. But I mean, we know the deal. Nick Chubb can go off in any game, but he's going to do it without targets. And then obviously, Kareem Hunt is always looming there. So what do you think? Yeah, I'm not going to be paying up for the running back there. So if I had to in those, it would be Kareem Hunt. I would be interested in the passing game. I uh, have some interest in Odell Beckham, have interest in the Kirk Cousins side. Um, really waiting to see what kind of info we get on Dalvin Cook. I really wish he would sit. I'm going to get killed for this comment, but I think they're a better team without them right now. The way that the team is built, they I've said this on the, the sports betting side too. Uh, last week, they force feed him too much and it opens up Cousins. It opens up the offense so much when they're not actively trying to hit arbitrary numbers for Dalvin Cook touching the football. Um, you saw it with Madison in there. Madison's just a great back as well. Um, so there's you know, I don't know if I have to say they're better without him, but they certainly don't lose a step when he's off the field. Um, I like the way it opens up the offense. So I'm waiting to see what it looks like if he's going to play, not going to play. But I do like him. I do like stacking him with the pass catchers. Um, I think it will be a Justin Jefferson week, personally. Um, I like him against other guys that are kind of higher profile receivers on the other side, which is what Odell Beckham is. These are the games that he really kind of gets up for. I know it sounds ridiculous to say that an NFL player has to get up for a game playing against someone like that, but it is a real thing. It does happen with younger wide receivers like that. This is a spot where Jefferson gets up to play. So I like Justin Jefferson in this one. I will be pairing him with Kirk Cousins, and I will be bringing it back on the other side, most likely with Odell Beckham, but I cannot rule out uh, Kareem Hunt at this point just kind of depends on what happens with Dalvin Cook and how I think that changes that game flow um, in this game. And I think this is a great game for a GPP stack too, just all around. Like if you want to stack the entire yeah. game, all of the pass catchers and Kirk Cousins are all projecting at under 8% ownership right now based on Mike's projections. So uh, yeah, that that'll that'll definitely get it done there. And uh, I don't think your point is crazy about like the wide receivers getting up for games because uh, Jefferson, OBJ, they both went to LSU as well. I mean, that could be like some added fuel to the fire. But uh, yeah, like yep. Beckham definitely uses stuff like that as motivation. Let's move on to Washington football team. They are at the Falcons, and Washington is one and a half a one and a half point favorite with a forty seven and a half point total inside of the dome and injuries to monitor here. Antonio Gibson did not practice on Thursday with a shin injury. So something to monitor. Obviously, uh, if he practices on Friday and any type of base is limited, uh, he, he probably will be good to go. But if he doesn't, 
then I think that definitely uh, raises some eyebrows there. Curtis Samuel returned to practice this week, coming off IR, but not expected to play until week five, so keep that in mind. On the Falcons' side, cornerback A.J. Terrell did return to practice. Wide receiver Russell Gage did not practice on Thursday. Uh, We have two high-profile wide receivers here going up against each other inside of the Dome. Calvin Ridley, 7K. Terry McLaurin at 6,900. I think that, Sia, this is an interesting secondary stack here. I don't know that I want to use Taylor Heineke or Matt Ryan, though Taylor Heineke is pretty cheap. I think if you want to get some exposure to this game as a secondary stack, the way to do so will be with Ridley and McLaurin. Yeah, I agree. I don't know that I'm going to be playing either of them. Like As far as Ridley is concerned, I mean, we know the Washington football team defense has been really, really bad, especially, I mean, they've been kind of bad everywhere, actually, but their pressure rate is pretty good. If I mean, they, they don't have a lot of sacks, but they are getting to the quarterback just from a pure pressure standpoint. So they finally get to face a stationary quarterback in Matt Ryan, and, and I really think this might be a get-right spot for that defense, which is why guys like Calvin Ridley, who might, you know, it, I'm more on the Kyle Pitts side of this than I would be Calvin Ridley, who might need an extra second to get those, those uh, longer routes uh, the depths of target in there. So it's Kyle Pitts for me on that side and maybe Corderell Patterson, but uh, you know, Terry McLaurin, I like as well. It could be a get right game for him as well, but he's going to see a lot of AJ Terrell and he's been playing really well. So if you're talking about the receivers only, I like T- uh, Terry McLaurin more than I like Calvin Ridley, but I'll just be peppering like sort of low end options in this game. Yeah, and we're still waiting for that Kyle Pitts breakout game. He played a season high 84% of the snaps last week but he only had three targets on 33 routes run. So it's kind of odd that they didn't get Kyle Pitts more involved. Uh, Let's see if they can do so this week. If we are looking at the running backs, Mike Davis is 5,100. Corderell Patterson is 4,900, and and both do a good job uh, catching the ball out of the backfield there. And given the offensive line that the Falcons have, that is why Matt Ryan's ADOT is so low so far this season. He's dumping the ball off to his running backs because... He doesn't really have a choice. Uh, If Antonio Gibson were to be limited or even out in this game, it's worth bringing up J.D. McKissick, who is 5K. Mike, any interest in this game? Uh, Yeah, I think that it could be a spot where I end up actually playing Mike Davis, believe it or not. Um, I think that he's an interesting piece uh, for a lot of the reasons that Sia brought up. I think they're going to struggle throwing the ball down the field and having enough time to throw it down the field to Calvin Ridley. So I'm not going to play Kyle Pitts because I've already told you I'm playing Travis Kelsey and some of those other pieces there. Um, so for me, it's going to be Mike Davis. I think that that's the best way to get exposure to it. If you want to run it back on the other side, uh, I kind of think McMorrin is like a light version of DJ Moore this week. I think that he's going to be force fed targets. I think he's going to have an opportunity to have an incredibly high floor just through the sheer volume in this game, especially if Antonio Gibson is out. Um, and then obviously we all know the upside that he possesses. So those are the two pieces that I would be looking at. Uh, obviously throw JD McKissick in there. If Gibson is ruled out great spot for him. I mean, it would instantly become a chalk running back of the entire week if that happened. So, uh, something we got to monitor over the next few days, but as of right now, if we assume Gibson plays, uh, Mike Davis is fringe cash game playable. If you're using a build similar to mine, which is pay up to quarterback, pay up for Travis Kelsey, have some interest in guys like Devontae Adams, Amari Cooper, DJ Moore, like expensive players. You're going to be going cheap at running back this week. So Mike Davis is one on a PPR site like DraftKings who's definitely going to be in the player pool. Yeah, and that was the formula last week, and it worked out pretty well. It doesn't mean that it's going to work every single week, but uh, right now it seems like that's the way things are currently shaping out for Mike here. Uh, And I will point out, Mike Davis, while he's mostly been a letdown to this point, 67% 67% of the snaps and a 15% target share. That's pretty valuable for running back, especially at 5,100 on DraftKings. Let's move over to the Texans at the Bills. The Bills are 16 and a half point favorites with a 47 point total. And on the injury front, Danny Amendola is doubtful for the Texans. Cornerback Terrence Mitchell is questionable. He did not practice on Wednesday. For the Bills, safety Jordan Poyer and cornerback Teron Johnson are questionable for them. Josh Allen is coming off of his five-touchdown game and is 8,000 on DraftKings. He is 8,500 on FanDuel and is currently projecting as a top three point-per-dollar play uh, at the quarterback position in the optimizer that I am using. And uh, look, he's a massive favorite in this game. There's no doubt about it. But Josh Allen has thrown the ball 76 times over the past two weeks in games that they have won by a combined 57 points. The Bills just throw the ball so much over expectation that 
it wouldn't surprise me if you're playing a GPP lineup if Josh Allen just goes off once again. And if he does that, I think that we could see the Stephon Diggs breakout game because it hasn't happened yet. He's 7,600, and he's going up against this Texan secondary, which just got torched by DJ Moore. They allowed a touchdown to both DJ Chark and Marvin Jones back in week one. So I think that I will have one GPP lineup with the Bills here, see it? And I think it could be the breakout game for Stefan Diggs. Oh, I don't mind that. I mean, if if like if I'm building 10 GPP lineups, I'll probably have one with Josh Allen, but it's just not the type of setup where where I'm like going to stack this and you know with like a Brandon Cooks and just expect there to be fireworks on both sides of the ball. It's one of those things though, and we again, Frank, I'm glad you brought it up because we talked about it Tuesday as well. It it seems like there's a few quarterbacks in the league right now, Tom Brady's one of them, that that are like going for that MVP. And Josh Allen, it seems to be one of those other other ones that's just like, I'm just going to rack up the stats here and I don't really care what the scores. Now, against Washington, there was a more of an argument to do that because we saw Taylor Heineke in a flash, Washington put up two touchdowns and they have that offense has the potential to sort of fight back. And then of course they wilted in the second half, but I don't really think Houston has that potential, which is why I agree with you. Josh Allen could still get four total touchdowns, maybe one rushing and three passing, something like that. But I think maybe the more likely scenario is that you pay for a different quarterback and you hope that they take their foot off the pedal because they're up, you know, 17 early third quarter. And then all of a sudden it becomes like the Zach Moss show for a little bit in Devin Singletary, which is why as a contrarian play, I kind of like Zach Moss at 5,300. He's starting to take over the touches relative to Devin Singletary and not take over. He's starting to sort of surpass Devin Singletary. And I think he's the more quality back. So I'm going to take pieces from this game. I don't mind Stefan Diggs, to your point. Um, I will say this. The target share seems to be spread out pretty good. So, uh, you know, your argument is, well, this might be the game for Diggs. I don't know. Maybe. But I'd probably look for a more competitive game for that. Zach Moss, by the way, did not play in week one. And despite that, leads Buffalo with 10 red zone opportunities this season. Uh, the other Bills pass catcher is worth mentioning. Cole Beasley is 5,400. He's got a 25% target share on the season. Emmanuel Sanders is 4,900 coming off that massive game with two touchdowns. I'm with it. Not really interested in bringbacks here. Not really interested in much on the Texans side uh, because I assume Brandon, Brandon Cooks will be shadowed by Tredavious White. And Anthony Miller, I guess, is like interesting-ish in a uh, as a cheap play because he's only 3,700 and he caught a touchdown in his debut Last week, Mike, any interest in uh, Bills or Texans? I don't think so for me. I think that the ownership is still approaching a level that I, I think it's going to end up being a fade for me. Uh, it could very well cost me, especially if the game becomes competitive. Uh, we saw this Texas team be relatively competitive in a couple games so far this year. Um, but I'm looking at you know double-digit ownership, which is still a significant number. Um, Cole Beasley, I'm projecting to be more popular than Travis Kelsey. Um, <laughs> Stephon Diggs, I'm projecting to be more popular than C.D. Lamb. I'm projecting him to be more popular than Tyreek Hill, more popular than Travis Kelsey. Um, I would just, I, I don't feel quite as comfortable there because there is a scenario where they can like run the ball, I suppose. I don't know. I don't, I don't feel good about it. I don't have it right now. They don't project quite high enough, but some of that might be me just being a little bit lower on them than the, the field might be. But as of right now, I would need like, I, I thought I would have some interest in Cole Beasley, frankly, just because that price point really mitigates the risk just a little bit. But at 11%, I can't get there. Like I would need five to 6% on Cole Beasley to be like, yes, okay, I can throw him in there. Um, but at this point, I think that it's going to be a fade for me. Um, I would rather play Dak Prescott. I would rather play Patrick Mahomes, who are, by the way, both projecting to be lower owned than Josh Allen. I, I just, I, I want a com- more competitive football game. And I, I think that I have more upside taking the guy that's lower owned in what should be a much more competitive game. Yeah, Josh Allen currently projecting as the highest owned quarterback uh, in GPPs this week. And that sounds a lot like recency bias to me. The Titans at the Jets. The Titans are seven point favorites with a 44 point total and a lot of injuries in this game for the Titans. Julio Jones and A.J. Brown did not practice on Thursday. Cornerback Caleb Farley, linebacker Bud Dupree, and their left tackle Taylor Luan are all currently questionable as well. And for the Jets, one of their better defensive players, safety Marcus May, will not play in this game. And wide receiver Elijah Mitchell did not practice with a concussion. 
Jamison Crowder returned to practice, and it sounds like he's going to be uh, good to go and make his season debut. Derrick Henry is 8,800 on DraftKings. He is 10,200 on FanDuel, and he is the highest-priced running back on both sides. I mentioned this back on Tuesday. Back-to-back games with 31 or more touches for Henry. He has 12 receptions through three games, which is new for him. This is a new wrinkle uh, in this offense, is getting Derrick Henry involved as a pass catcher. The Jets have been stingy on the ground this year uh, in terms of yards per carry, but uh, I I imagine they're going to sell out to stop the run and Derrick Henry and and try and force Tannehill to beat them with uh, lesser pass catchers. I I just don't know if A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are going to be good to go in this game. Uh, With that being said, there is a lot of value between uh, Nick Westbrook-Akini and Chester Rogers. They're both under 4K. Uh, Those are, are names that are popping to me. What do you think, Sia? I mean, I I love the idea, and I know Mike addressed this on Tuesday's show. I love the idea of stacking Ryan Tannehill with either or both Akini and Chester Rogers, and like bringing it back with Corey Davis, and and basically what that would open up to you everywhere else, because the combined you know price of Akini and Chester Rogers is doing quick math here six point five k. So it's just one of those things. Like you could, if you really wanted to take a chance in a GPP, and, and I'd like to hear what Mike has to say about this if he still is potentially on Tannehill here. But you definitely could take a shot here. I mean, I, I you know, obviously the Tennessee, the back end of the Tennessee defense isn't good. A and B, you got the revenge narrative with Corey Davis if you want to even factor that in, but he will be the most targeted guy. He's got a ton of targets through three games. And so you could absolutely do some sort of, you know, small stack with Tennessee and bring it back with Corey Davis and just play with the rest of your money. Yeah, the problem, you're right. Corey Davis is seeing a ton of targets this year. A actually not as many as I thought. 22% target share for the Jets. The problem is those targets are coming from Zach Wilson, so we do have to keep that in mind. Uh, Mike, are you still on board with uh, getting freaky here with this game? I actually am still on board. Uh, and what I'm going to tell you about this, too, is it might actually sound a little different than what I've been preaching or what we've been preaching, really, the, the entire season so far. I'm very comfortable playing Ryan Tannehill, Westbrook McKinney, and Chester Rogers together without a bring back. And the reason why I'm okay with it there is the salary of the two cheap wide receivers and with Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill has rushing upside. These two guys are cheap enough that there are scenarios, especially in a tournament, because of what it allows you to get if you play those three pieces together. There are scenarios that I can get by or you can get by with a more median type outcome than a ceiling outcome in that spot. So it could be a relatively normal game, a game where they don't even... Frankly, they could lose to the Jets here and Corey Davis could not go off, but this could still work through volume if both those receivers are out because you're talking four catches, 40 yards. One of them gets in the end zone, one of them doesn't, but the aggregate of that at that price point can still work and absolutely not kill you. And it makes your lineup different enough that when you throw in someone like Alvin Kamara or you throw in some of these other pieces, you get Devontae Adams in that game. Like There's so many different pieces and different lineup constructions you can build because you're so different there with those two that I will, I can't commit. I'm not hundred percent sure I'm going to do it yet. I likely will. It all depends on what happens with Dalvin cook and Ezekiel Elliott, the two or uh, Tony Pollard, those two running backs will really change the roster builds a lot this week. Uh, but I, I think at this point I will have Tannehill with these two guys without any bring back. And then I'll just be completely loaded up on the studs that I like at every other position. Yeah. And I'm currently just building that lineup out on DraftKings to see, how it would look. Uh, Tannehill, Westbrook Akini, Chester Rogers, and let's just say the Cowboys defense. It's a defense that I like this week. They're 2,600. Your average remaining yep. player is 6,920. So you can you can have fun there. Uh, even if you, mm-hmm. if you spend down on like one more player, then you basically can have studs everywhere else in your lineup. So definitely keep that in mind yep. for week four. Uh, we're going to hit a quick break, but first I want to remind everyone, Fantasy Football Today DFS Contest over on DraftKings is currently live. You can join in 150 entries, $5 to enter. Top 15 gets paid out. We'll have the link in the podcast and the YouTube description. We'll tweet it out a few times from the Fantasy Football Today Twitter. Uh, we'll retweet it from our accounts as well. So if you're looking to play against us, you can find it there. And we do have a new logo. It's pretty snazzy. Uh, if you're you know, watching on, if you're listening on one of your preferred platforms, Apple, Spotify, whatever it might be. Uh, hopefully it's it's already up there, the new logo while we're talking about it. But uh, I thought it was interesting. We have like a little money sign there and the DFS and it's like, 
I don't know. It feels kind of like a boy band kind of thing. Like <laughs> we're some kind of like hip hop boy band thing. And it's like, what are we doing, man? What are we doing with oh, the good. money sign in the, in the, in the logo? Right. Can we play this scenario? Are you, are you the lead or is it Mike? <laughs> is, is it me? I don't know. Maybe we should come up with some graphics. Oh like man. There you go. Yeah. All right. I've got some stuff. Uh, the wheels are turning in my mind. We'll, we'll, we'll come up with some stuff here, but we'll hit a quick break. When we return, you've got to hear what Joe Judge had to say about analytics. We'll have it next here on Fantasy Football Today DFS. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, the Giants at the Saints. The Saints are seven and a half point favorites with a 42 point total. And the Giants head coach, Joe Judge, was asked about how analytics factor into his fourth down decisions. And he said, quote, analytics is just a tool. You can look at a stat, a stat sheet all you want. I promise you, if Excel was going to win football games, Bill Gates would be killing it right now. Man, I mean, like, there are some, these are some dark days in New York football right now, uh, outside of the, the Buffalo Bills, because they're the only team that actually plays in New York. But what is going on? Uh, injuries for the Giants. Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton both did not practice on Thursday. And for the Saints, offensive lineman Teron Armstead and Eric McCoy uh, did not practice on Thursday either. Two of the best running backs in the world are featured in this game. Alvin Kamara is 8,400, coming off 27 touches. He scored a receiving touchdown last week. Saquon Barkley is 6,700, played 86% of the snaps. Uh, he's been up over 84% each of the past two games. And he had 22 touches last week, six receptions, and scored a touchdown down himself. We'll start with you here, Mike. Uh, how interested are you in uh, potentially both of these running backs, Alvin Kamara and Saquon Barkley? Uh, I'm interested in both of them. I quickly want to comment on Judge's comments, though. I think that's just absolutely hilarious because, one, uh, I'm pretty sure that you uh, said Bill Gates, right? That's what he said? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Bill Gates is still killing it at life. And then also there's another guy that also, you know, kind of co-founded that company that ended up buying an NFL team and won a Super Bowl with the team. So, yeah, I think that uh, those guys are doing pretty well for themselves, even as it relates to the world of the NFL. Uh, that team would be the Seattle Seahawks. They did purchase them. They did win a Super Bowl. Anyway, uh, I like Alvin Kamara a lot. I'm going to have a lot of Alvin Kamara sprinkled in as the one spend at the running back position. Saquon, it just kind of depends on what kind of value shakes up. I know it's annoying to hear me keep talking about Dalvin Cook and then the situation with Tony Pollard, but those two situations are really going to dictate for me. Uh, I think what it does and what I can tell you confidently is that I'm for sure playing him over Chuba Hubbard. Uh, I'm not playing Chuba Hubbard this week. I'm not interested in that at 15% ownership. I think that the best thing that could possibly happen now for all of us listening is one of those other running backs to get ruled out while a lot of people already have Chuba Hubbard in their mind and let him still eat up that ownership because I personally believe that you do not want to be invested in that situation. So I'm in on Kamara, Saquon. It's going to depend on the injury news as far as how interested I really am. Uh, we could have some value in this game too here, Sia, as uh, I don't think it doesn't look like Sterling Shepard or Darius Slayton are going to play in this game. And I know it's the Giants, but... Kenny Galladay's 5,500. I don't like him much. I think he's going to see Marshawn Lattimore. But Kadarius Toney is 3,300, and he led the team in routes last week. He ran a bunch of those in the slot, which Daniel Jones typically does target a lot. Colin Johnson is only 3,200. And then if you're looking for a cheap tight end, Evan Engram, I know, it's Evan Engram, 3K, his first game back last week, 56% of the snaps. He ran 30 routes. Uh, and I have a feeling that the Giants are chasing points in this game. So any interest in those value plays? If I may, um, a message on behalf of New York Giant fans. Um, Bill Gates, if you're out there, 
uh, and I know you are, uh, I think they would love for you to be the coach of the New York Giants instead of Joe Judge. So please uh, gather all your Excel spreadsheets, bring them over to uh, to New York, and uh, please be the coach. I think they'd be in a better spot. Uh, okay, so listen, I, I don't really like any of those punts other than Evan Ingram. I think Evan Ingram uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, Daniel Jones just doesn't – he hasn't really been throwing touchdown passes. I don't expect that to change here. Um, I mean, only putting up 14 points, was it, against uh, the Atlanta Falcons is, is pretty pedestrian. I think Taylor Heineke will put up – maybe twice that many against that team. Uh, Evan Ingram at 3K, though, I see the value. The only guy I'm really interested in is the one that Mike talked about, Alvin Kamara. Now, I know the rep on Alvin Kamara is, hey, he's just not he's not catching balls. Jameis isn't throwing it to him. I think that'll change a little bit. He does have only 10 receptions on, on the year, but he's also third in carries. Now, I know receptions are more valuable than rushing attempts, but he's third in carries. So we, we shouldn't be talking about him in the context of, well, he's just not getting any work because he actually is. He's just not getting the type of work that we were expecting him to get. Now, the defensive line for the Giants, I mean, they're they're decent, but they did lose Blake Martinez, and they aren't very good. Even with Blake Martinez, they weren't very good against pass-catching running backs. So obviously, it's a really nice setup for Alvin Kamara. Let's move on to the Colts at the Dolphins. The Dolphins are two-point favorites with a 42-and-a-half-point total. Injuries here. Linebacker Darius Leonard for the Colts, uh, offensive lineman Braden Smith, and tight end Jack Doyle did not practice on Wednesday. Jonathan Taylor and Carson Wentz were limited. For the Dolphins, Will Fuller did not practice Wednesday, but he did return on Thursday. I mentioned Taylor. He's 6,300, but a little bit banged up. Naheem Hines is 4,900, and it was a nice call by you last week, Mike. He had 79 total yards, five receptions, also had a rushing touchdown. Michael Pittman has... 12 targets in back-to-back games. His salary is 5400 on DraftKings. And Jacoby Brissett, I mean, he dropped back 62 times last week. I don't think anyone's expecting that here in this spot. But he targeted his slot receivers a bunch. Jalen Waddell, 13 targets. Mike Gusecki, uh, 12 targets in that game last week. And they're pretty affordable. Waddell's 4900 uh, Gusecki has been bumped up to 4K. Uh, obviously, this is a lower total, so I, I don't know how much interest in general we have in this game. But uh, there are some cheaper options here, Mike, in Naheem Hines, Jalen Waddle, and Mike Kosecki. Yeah, and I think we could also point out that if you're someone who likes the revenge narrative, there is a revenge narrative here for Jacoby Brissett, who was the quarterback in the Indianapolis Colts for a little period of time. Uh, the only player I have interest in here is going to be Naeem Hines. I think he's always someone that's going to be fringe playable, but especially in this spot where it's going to be a, it should be a very competitive game. Um, if Taylor's banged up at all and they're limited in limiting him, um, I, I think it's super encouraging. I think what most encouraging is Marlon Mack and the team have agreed to a trade, and that situation is not muddy at all. Even though Mack came in there and got some carries, I believe it was week one. Uh, yeah, I believe it was week one that Mack got carries. Um, but yeah, I like that he's no longer going to be in the picture there. So for me, it's Naeem Hines or nothing, and most likely nothing, but can't rule it out because we, I, you guys know my roster construction is going to be cheap running back. So uh, We've got a lower total here, my, uh, Sia, and uh, maybe the defenses are in play. The Dolphins are 3,200. The Colts are 27. I mentioned some of the Dolphins' pass catchers. Will Fuller, I guess. Uh, I should throw his name out there. He's, he's 4,800. Uh, in general, I, I don't have much interest in this spot. What do you think? There's a couple guys that I think are interesting. One for, well, I think they're both interesting for GPP purposes only. Jonathan Taylor. I mean, he's still getting the red zone touches. And I, I understand Naheem Hines is really cutting into the work. But if you consider what Peyton Barber did against the Dolphins last week, and I think it was 23 rush attempts, 111 yards, I believe. He had five targets, three catches, uh, and a touchdown. So it's one of those things where if you think the Miami Dolphins defense is soft on running like they have been this season, particularly against Peyton Barber of all people, then it could be sort of a get right spot. I mean, the Colts have really not been good. They should look at the game script that the Raiders put on last week and say, okay, we're just going to jam Jonathan Taylor down their throat and we're going to win the game. Because honestly, if, if it wasn't for some, like the Miami had a, had a, a pick six, you know, against the Raiders and, and they just were really flat the whole game outside of a couple defensive plays. I think the Colts are looking at that game being like, let's just stay conservative and let's just feed Jonathan Taylor. So in GPP, I don't think a lot of people will be playing him. So I think he's just an interesting play. The only other person I think I might be interested in is Jalen Waddell. It's a nice price, 4,900. He's averaging nine targets per game. We know he had a great game last week with Jacoby Brissett. So we know Jacoby likes to target him, like you said, 
And he has that game-breaking ability. So it's one of those things, shorter area route could go 80 yards in a touch against this Indianapolis, uh, Indianapolis Colts back end. So I think he's interesting again for GPP. Yeah, and just to add on to your point on Jonathan Taylor, that was the formula coming into the year, was they're going to be a run-first team. They're 0-3. I mean, this is a must-win spot for the Colts, so uh, it could be one where if they get a lead or or if they try to uh, do what we expected them to coming into the year, we could see like 20-plus carries for Jonathan Taylor uh, in this game. The Lions at the Bears. The Bears are three-point favorites with a 42-point total. On the injury front, we have Trey Flowers did not practice on Wednesday, and for the Bears, uh, Khalil Mack did not practice. Andy Dalton is limited. It is Thursday, September 30th. And we have no idea who the starting quarterback is going to be for the Chicago Bears this week. It could be Andy Dalton. It could be Justin Fields. And yes, it even could be Nick Foles. Apparently, he is uh, he is in the running here. Uh, I think the name that really stands out to me on both sides is DeAndre Swift. He's up to 6,200, but he is second among running backs in targets and receptions this year. He has a 19% target share for the Lions. The Bears' big names, Allen Robinson and Montgomery, they're cheap. They're down to 5,800, but rightfully so. I mean, this Bears offense is a mess right now. We don't know who the quarterback is going to be. So uh, until we know that, like if Dalton plays, like yeah, I, I think Allen Robinson uh, could be an option at 5,800. But uh, until we know that, it's, it's really hard to say. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I think that the only piece I have interest in is David Montgomery. Uh, it just kind of fits the bill as far as what I'm looking for at the running back spot in terms of like price point. Does still have that upside, still has decent touchdown equity if they, you know, in this matchup with the Lions. So I, I think that that's where I'm at right now. But like you said, can't do much with it until we know who's starting a quarterback. And then once again, what those other running back situations look like. But as of right now, I've got David Montgomery in my player pool. And that is the only piece of this game that I will have. TJ Hawkinson was 5,200 last week and he let us down. So they raised his price by $600 and he's now. 5,800. Uh, do you like anything in this game? I like nothing in this game other than the Lions defense, particularly if it's Justin Fields out there, frankly. I don't think it's as appealing if it's uh, Nick Foles or Andy Dalton. Um, I think DeAndre Swift is interesting. You know, I mean, obviously, I think he's second in targets at the running back position behind Najee Harris. And that's with Jamal Williams getting a lot of run. We know um, the Lions coach kind of put it out there that DeAndre Swift is going to get even more work. So that's something to sort of consider. So I like Swift. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be playing him, but I'd consider him and the Lions defense. That's it. All right, let's move on to the afternoon games. The Cardinals at the Rams. The Rams are four and a half point favorites with a 55 point total. That is currently the highest on the slate for the injuries. We have the Cardinals. DeAndre Hopkins did not practice on Wednesday, but he did return to practice on Thursday. And we're still waiting on Daryl Henderson. He was limited on Wednesday. He's currently questionable. So uh, if he were to miss this game, Sony Michelle obviously stands out at 5,200. But there is a lot to unpack. So uh, the quarterbacks, we have Kyler Murray at 7,800 going up against this Rams defense. Matt Stafford has entered himself into MVP conversation, and he is $7,000. Uh, if you are, we'll start with you, Sia, this time, because I know you're the, the Kyler guy. If you're stacking the Kyler side of it, how are you doing it? Because they have six players currently between 11% and 18% target share. There's a lot. There's a lot going on here with the Cardinals. Yeah, believe it or not, I don't love this game. I just I haven't really figured it out. And, and it's it's to your point that the, the target share, especially on that side of the ball, is so scattered. We don't know if DeAndre Hopkins is is going to be ready, if he's going to be a decor, if he's going to be a full go. Um, AJ Green, like I'm not really thinking that's going to be a thing. Rondell Moore's snap share actually really got cut back, I think down to 35% uh, last week. And Christian Kirk kind of stepped up like we thought he would. So it's it's really tough. I, I don't know. Honestly, I think this game is going to hit the under. I don't think it's going to hit the 54 four and a half. And I, I think if you're going to stack it, I'd probably stack it on the Ram side of the ball. All right. Well, the, the cops are coming for somebody there. We hear them in the background. Uh, but if you, if you are stacking the Ram side of things here, Mike Cooper cup is 7,800. He is the third highest wide receiver on the slate. A highest price wide receiver has a 35% target share currently projecting for 18% ownership. Robert Woods, much cheaper down at 5,300. And then we do get Tyler Higby, uh, who's coming off a better game, scored a touchdown. He's 4,600. If you're stacking the Rams side of this game, how would you look to do it? Uh, yeah, if I stack in the Rams side, uh, it's first going to have to see what's up with Sonny Michelle. He's going to be one of the better values if uh, that situation shakes out correctly. Uh, as far as Cooper Cup, I mean, if I'm stacking the game, I'll play. Cup 
Um, as far as what I'm looking at doing, I'm not looking at doing that. Um, Robert Woods is someone I have some interest in, but like Sia, I also think that this game should be a little more of a defensive struggle at times too. I think that this one goes under. I think that the price points are kind of prohibitive. I think the ownership in combination with the price points are very prohibitive. Um, so I, at this point, I don't think I'm going to end up playing Cooper Cup. Um, again, I basically walked down what the lineup's going to look like. It's going to be Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. It's going to have Amari Cooper in there, probably Devontae Adams. Um, so going to be paying up for a lot of very specific things, and then we'll be sliding in that value as it opens up throughout the week. But as of right now, I do not like Cup over any of the Chiefs. I don't like Cup and this team over the Packers. I don't, I don't like the Rams uh, a whole lot this week. All right, we've got a big NFC West divisional matchup, the Seahawks at the 49ers. The 49ers are two-and-a-half-point favorites with a 52-point total. And for the Seahawks, Tyler Lockett was limited on Wednesday with a hip injury. Gerald Everett is out of this game due to COVID. And for the 49ers, uh, George Kittle did not practice on Thursday, and he's dealing with a calf injury. Elijah Mitchell uh, did pl- uh, practice on a limited basis with a non-contact jersey. Uh, jersey. There are big injuries in this game. So let's play out some what-if scenarios. If Tyler Lockett is out, see, do we auto-jam DK Metcalf at 7,200? Yes, but I think if Tyler Lockett is in, I think the answer to the question is the same. So I just, I, I don't, I can't conceive of a way. This is a San Francisco secondary that just brought in Josh Norman off the street, who, by the way, got injured. I'm not sure if he's going to play this week or not, but it kind of doesn't matter, right? They don't have anybody on the back end to guard, really, to cover any of these guys, particularly DK Metcalf. So, yeah, I mean, he's very expensive at 7,200, but this is another game, in spite of the fact that Russell Wilson doesn't throw a lot the pass attempts just aren't there he's he's one you know seattle's one of the lower ones in the league but i think they're going to pass a little bit more here because they're just going to want to take advantage of the back end of san francisco so if lockett plays we saw this a, a little last year lockett guts out injuries quite a bit he doesn't like to miss games he'll be on the field sometimes and that's why we think of lockett as like this guy who who has some spike, you know, spike games and some games where he just goes away. Well, a lot of those games last year, he was actually fighting injuries. And it was just one of those things where he was probably more of a decoy than anything else. But um, I'm very much interested in DK Metcalf. I'm very much interested in Will Disley because it looks like Everett is out. And uh, Russell Wilson. This is this is probably going to be one of my favorite stacks. Yep. Russell Wilson is up at 7,100 in this game. DK Metcalf currently projecting at 6% ownership. So could be a nice little GPP play here. Uh, see, I'll go right back to you. If Tyler Lockett does not play... Any interest in Freddie Swain at 3,900? He's basically been their wide receiver three. Yeah, there's some interest there. I assume Eskridge is still going to be out. Um, I, I, you know, again, it you can stack this a lot of different ways. I would do it with the receivers. So, uh, you know, and, and or uh, Will Disley. So I think if I was doing a few GPP lineups, Swain would be in one of them. If I'm doing just one with Seattle stack, uh, Swain's not going to be in it. It's probably going to be DK and Will Disley. All right, Mike, you get the San Francisco side of things here. If George Kittle is out, and he's someone who he's a tough, he's as tough as they come. It wouldn't surprise me if he's playing, he's out there playing through injury. But if he were out, we've got some interesting options here. Uh, Debo Samuel is 6,500. We know a lot of what he's done so far this season. Brandon Ayuk is only $5,000, and he just had basically his coming out party in, in week three where he played. 86% of the snaps, he ran 39 routes, he had three red zone targets, he scored a touchdown, Uh, so I I personally, I'm very interested in Brandon Ayuk at that price. We get Kyle Juszczyk, who is min price at running back at 4K, and if Kittle were out, Ross Dwelly is someone who we've played in the past, and uh, he will be min price at 2,500, so what are we doing with San Francisco? Yeah, this one's tough. Um... I think the ownership is always the question on Debo at this point, just because we know he's going to be one of the top five owned players um, and, and rightfully so, so far. Um, I'm interested in Ayuk, especially if Kittle is out. I think that use is interesting. If you want to punt one of the running back spots, uh, I'm only playing pieces of this game. If I'm stacking it, uh, I don't think any of them make their way into cash games for me. Um, so it, it would likely be like a Russell Wilson type of lineup that, I'm pairing like if Lockett is out, I actually like Russ quite a bit. I, I think he's going to have a big game. I think he's going to force it to Metcalf, but I think he's going to look to run a little bit. I think he's going to dump the ball to Chris Carson a little more. I like Freddie Swain a lot um, at 3,900 if Lockett is out. And if I were to play DK Metcalf with 
this is a, a weird kind of a weird comment. I'm interested in DK Metcalf as a one-off play without Russell Wilson, but I'm also interested in kind of handcuffing DK Metcalf to Freddie Swain without Russell Wilson still, mm-hmm. just because the price point is low enough. And the thought process here is if DK Metcalf has the kind of game that really pays off that price tag, it's likely because they're moving the football down the field. And for them to move the football down the field really effectively here, he's going to need some help. And I think that's going to come in the form of Freddie Swain moving the ball and giving them some other threat that's going to allow Metcalf to be open enough to make those big plays. So that's how I'm attacking it. If I'm playing Metcalf, I'm probably going to end up putting Freddie Swain in there and not having the quarterback and working on that uh, differentiation. Just like the the Titans side, he's cheap enough that he can get there on a median type game. All right, let's move on to the Steelers at the Packers. The Packers are six and a half point favorites with a 45 and a half point total. Injuries here for the Steelers, Deontay Johnson, TJ Watt, full practice on Thursday. Juju Smith-Schuster remain limited. And for the Packers, MVS Marquez Valdez-Scantling did not practice on Thursday, as did uh, A.J. Dillon. He was added to the injury report. He was limited with a back issue. Uh, I can't really remember the last time Devontae Adams was below $8,000, but... Here we are. He's 7,900 in uh, week four against the Steelers. And the Steelers just gave up three touchdowns to Bengals wide receivers one week ago. Uh, I think Aaron Jones, if A.J. Dillon can't go, is pretty interesting at, at 7,700. And then we have Najee Harris, uh, who had 19 targets last week. Ben Roethlisberger kind of looks like he's cooked here. He is 6,800. For me, Sia, if I'm targeting anyone in this game, I'm going all the way to the top. It's Devontae. It's Aaron Jones. It's Najee Harris. Yeah, you nailed it because, I mean, you're, you're not going to, even if the three Pittsburgh Steelers uh, receivers are healthy, I mean, I, I don't really think that's how you expose this uh, Green Bay defense. I think it's with the running game. So I like Najee Harris quite a bit. He's going to, he's not going to get 19 targets, but he's going to get a lot of targets. He's going to get uh, pretty much all the carries. Um, I, you know, depending on ownership, I, I do like Adams, but I think Aaron Jones, to your point, is a nice pivot because I think a lot of people are going to be on Adams. Um, but that's, yeah, that's really all I'm interested in here. Mike, what do you think about this game? I love Devontae Adams. Uh, I think he's very close to being in the cash games for sure right now, but certainly fringe playable. Um, I, I think I'm going to end up paying up there. I think we're going to have enough value open up as you know, the wide receivers and running backs that we've talked about that that's where I'm going to want to go. Um, in alternative lineups, I could see a better effort from the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. I could see an Aaron Rodgers lineup. Uh, we've mentioned guys that kind of want to throw and maybe want to have an MVP type year. I think that Rodgers falls in that camp. Um, it wouldn't shy. I know we like Aaron Jones and talk about that. I think that there are scenarios where uh, there is an Aaron Rodgers stack with Devontae that you bring back with Najee. Uh, I think that definitely has some validity, especially if we're talking about Chuba Hubbard eating 15% of that ownership. Um, we know that Derrick Henry is probably going to eat 20% of that ownership. Uh, Dalvin Cook comes back, has that name value. I, I think that there's interesting enough combinations out there that I, I do have some interest in running it back with Najee Harris here. All right. And uh, with Devontae Adams, I'm with you in, in terms of cash games. I, I think we, I think we'll be there uh, in week four and he had 18 targets last week on 31. Uh, he had 18 of 31 targets. That's a 58% target share. Just massive, massive total there for Devontae Adams. The last game on the slate, we have Ravens at the Broncos. The Broncos are one point favorites, 45 total in this game. And Lamar Jackson did not practice on Thursday with a back injury. The Ravens are quote in wait and see mode. So that is exactly what we'll do. We'll find out on Friday, whether or not Lamar Jackson will be good to go for the Broncos. Melvin Gordon was limited in practice and two of their offensive linemen, Graham Glasgow and Dalton Reisner are questionable. See, I don't really have much interest in this game. I know that KJ Hamler uh, went out for the year. So maybe if I'm looking at anyone, it's Tim Patrick at 4,900 or a Noah Fant at 4,300. But outside of that, I personally am not very interested. There's a few guys I'm interested in here. Um, one of them is, I mean, Cortland, Cortland Sutton or Tim Patrick. Uh, I think both of those guys could have good games. Not really interested in the running game there. I'll tell you what, though. Um, uh, by the way, I just heard from... Um, 
Baltimore's facility. Uh, Lamar Jackson is going to play on Sunday. So I'm, I'm happy to report that out. I like Lamar Jackson in this game. I know Denver's defense looks good. And even before the season, we thought Denver's defense was going to be good. But let's be real here, okay? They've played the Jets, the Jags, and the Giants. Okay, so whatever we thought about the Denver defense going into the season is what we should be thinking of them now. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't think the Jets, Jags, and Giants are really good barometers for, for what that defense is. And honestly, the way Lamar Jackson has been throwing the ball, let's not forget, Marquise Brown dropped three touchdown passes. Two of them would, been for, would have been for 40-plus. Lamar was about to have an amazing game. I'm not saying he's going to tear up this defense. What I am saying is that he's a very sneaky GPP play because we have a defense that people think is very vaunted in spite of the fact that they haven't played anybody. And we have potentially... The, you know, one of at least one of the top three, you know, fantasy scoring quarterbacks in the entire league. So I think like I don't know that I want to stack Lamar with like a Marquise Brown, but I think Lamar is really interesting here. Yeah. And currently projecting at one percent ownership. That's the same amount as Zach Wilson and James Winston. So, uh, yeah, GPPs, that will definitely work. Mike, anything here? Ravens, Broncos? Uh, no, just all I commend. I owe the sentiment there that uh, the Broncos defense, while they have been good so far, they can only play against the teams that are scheduled to line up against them. And so far, they have not lined up against very good football teams. So I think the Ravens are the better team. I've already bet on the Ravens uh, plus one. I think this line is very, very friendly. Uh, it's about four points off what the look ahead line would have been at the start of the season. Um, and I frankly, I know that the Ravens are dealing with injuries, but uh I'm not going to have any pieces of it in DFS uh, just because I'm going to be hyper-concentrated on those quarterbacks that I love. That's just kind of my style, the way I play. I only play five lineups for main slates, play lots for showdown slates, but in main slates, I play five lineups on each site. So he's certainly not going to make it into one of those. And so I'm going to be completely off the game, but I, uh, I did bet on the Baltimore Ravens this week. Mm, interesting. I know that Teddy Bridgewater has basically been an ATM machine his entire career in, in terms of against the spread. But yeah, a little bit tougher matchup here against the Baltimore Ravens. Let's wrap up with our week four cheat sheet. We'll give you one favorite value chalk contrarian plus our favorite stack of the week. And we will start with see ya. You know, you're going to have to you're going to have to refresh my recollection because I'm looking at the rundown I don't see my um, value on there. So I, I must have thought I put it on there. Can you remind me what my value play was? I see Robert Woods as your value play. Oh, that's right. Yes, Robert Woods is my... I mean, listen, we talked about him. That's a, it's a ridiculous price. I mean, I, it's justified, but it's also a ridiculous price. Uh, his target share is going to go up. The, the, and, and with that, there will be the, the, the touchdown variance. He's going to find his way in the end zone. Is it this week? I don't know. But at 5,300, I'm willing to find out. All right. So who else do you have at uh, Chalk Contrarian and your favorite sack? Uh, you tell me, because oh, I don't see it on here. Right. Uh, all right, so I have uh, Najee Harris for you. I have your contrarian as Zach Moss or mm -hmm. DK Metcalf, and your stack Mahomes to Kelsey. Yeah, and, and I put DK Metcalf in there only because the the his roster ship right now looks to be lower than I thought it would be. Depending on what site you're looking at, it's between 4 and 7%. If it stays under 10%, I mean, wow, like I... I that, that would surprise me. So I like DK Metcalf as a contrarian there. But if he goes higher, I think Zach Moss is really interesting because what you do is you take a piece of that game that a lot of people aren't really going to be playing because they're going to be focused on that Josh Allen part of the stack. So that's where I'm going with there. As far as Mahomes to Kelsey, I'm just taking a page out of uh, Mike McClure's book here. I mean, I just Kelsey's a wide receiver. And if you look at his reception and his total yards, it's he's basically beating all the wide receivers. So play him as a wide receiver. You get to play him in the tight end slot. If you want to play, play a second tight end because you're really playing Kelsey as a wide receiver, then go for it. All right, Mike, you are up. Value, chalk, contrarian, and favorite stack. All right. Well, favorite stack is still going to be Mahomes to Kelsey. Uh, I don't know if it's against the rules for us to use the same ones, but uh, that's definitely going to be my favorite. Uh, value play Nick Westbrook Akinney is going to be the guy that I'm going to be playing I think I, I like this way I think it's really good leverage a little bit against Derrick Henry while he could still get there Henry could still get there um, I'm not going to be playing Derrick Henry at all this week so that is something that I want a piece of um, chalk play we can call it Devontae or we can call it Cooper I like both of them I think you probably like uh, everyone likes him but I've been talking about the two of those guys a lot um I guess I'll, I'll say Devontae, and then for my stack, I'll say Dak Prescott to Amari Cooper to be different than the Mahomes. Uh, so I'm playing Patrick Mahomes and a lot of Travis Kelsey. I'm playing Dak Prescott paired with Amari Cooper, and I'm playing a lot of Devontae Adams this week. 
And just Frank, just to be different, because so that we don't have the same stack. I, I mean, I, I guess I'll change mine at least for purposes of the graphic. Give me Rust to DK Metcalf. And for the record, I, I'd probably bring it back with a um, price conscious Brandon Ayuk. All right. And for me, the value play, we mentioned his name, Will Disley. He's 2,600. No Gerald Everett in this spot. And uh, Russell Wilson still does target the tight end a decent bit in that offense. Gerald Everett has an 11% target share. So I think we could see Will Disley uh, take some of those this week. I will take whoever you don't want, Mike. So if you went Devontae Adams with chalk, I will go with Amari Cooper as my chalk play at just $6,000. I think a sneaky contrarian play is Aaron Jones. Uh, I don't know that I would... I, I guess you can technically play Devonte Adams and Aaron Jones in the same game. I mean, you would need the the Packers and and Steelers to, I guess, be pretty competitive there. But Aaron Jones projecting at below five percent ownership, and if there's no AJ Dillon, I, we know what his upside could be. We saw it on Monday Night Football; he's, he could score like three, four touchdowns on any given week. And I'll throw a stack out there that I haven't heard yet. I'll throw Jalen Hurts to Zach Ertz. I, cheesy. I mean, I guess that's part of like the hip-hop boy band thing that we've got going on here, but uh, I do want some exposure to Jalen Hurts this week, and I think getting Zach Ertz at 3500 is a, a pretty good p- price point and a, a pretty good way to do that. So we will wrap there for Sia and Mike. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football today. DFS, the next time you hear us, will be on Tuesday when we are all millionaires. Probably not, uh, but we will be there to recap week four. Yeah. Uh, one of us will be. Uh, and uh, yeah, we will recap week four there and, and take a look at early pricing. We will see you then.